Hey there, Emover Easy listeners. Drew Kelno here, joined by co-host Andy Little and an awesome guest, first time on our podcast, Dr. Eric Cortez. Welcome and thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. So, Eric, I'm super excited about this episode in part because I uh, completely plagiarized what you gave me a couple months ago or a month or so ago, and we co-authored a paper released on our, I'm going to call it our sister blog site, yeah, All Ohio right. EM. Yeah. I, I think that's that's pretty fair, uh, sister site to EM Over Easy. Well, we talked about five tips for the new attending, a little more focused at uh, the teaching attending, but I think good for anybody. And this is advice that you actually gave me a little over a year ago as I was finishing uh, my PGY4 year, about ready to stick around at, at our program to be teaching faculty. And I still have the chicken scratch that you wrote on a blue piece of paper uh, from one of our printers. Outline, and I think it was about 10 tips that I boiled down into five, and it was basically, here's how to approach your shift, here's how to survive, here are things to think about. And I will be honest with you, it's been absolute money advice. Most of this is not unique advice. I think it's been circulated in many different ways, but the way that you presented it to me, and I think the way we presented it out there on uh, All Ohio EM is, is really good, really concise. So I, first of all, thank you so much for being a, a great mentor and uh, role model for Andy and myself and so many others in the emergency department. And the tips you gave me, I think, have made me not a complete failure in the ED. Let's just leave it at that. I'm not going to call myself a success. We'll say uh, not a complete failure as I just started my PGY6 year. So thank you so much for that. Of course. It was my pleasure. And I just want to say, uh, when I read this article, when you guys submitted it, when we were editing it, I remember getting these very similar issue things from Eric, and he did not write them in a way I could even read them. So <laughs> I, 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 I'm a little jealous that you could actually read yours a year later. Because I remember he wrote them down as he told me, and I was I left my shift, and I was like, it's a good thing I've got a good memory. I did. I did have to use Google Translator for a portion <laughs> of it. Uh, fortunately, there's an Eric Cortez setting, uh, and it, it was yeah, able to tell exactly. me exactly what he wrote. So it, it was it was amazing. Yeah, the problem with my handwriting is I start and I spell the first couple letters, and then I just tailor off, and I don't finish the spelling, so it's very hard to read. So I apologize about that. <laughs> well, the first one is... I think it's really important to start your shift strong. So you're there, you're fresh, both from a physical standpoint and from a mental standpoint. And I, I think it's important to come in ready to go, arrive early, get ready to start seeing patients at the start of your shift, get a good sign out from your colleague, and then get in to see the people that need to be seen as soon as possible. I think this is good from your personal standpoint because it gets you into the room and you get an idea about uh, the problems that you're going to deal with in the ED that day, but it also allows you to have a background on the patient presentation that allows you to staff more effectively with your APP, your intern, or your resident. And I think you're awesome at doing this, and it's so important that you, you show up a few minutes early, you know, 10 minutes early. You don't want to show up too early. If you show up too early, right. you, you end up getting drugged into some stuff you don't want to get drugged into. <laughs> but you show up early enough... There's the whole getting settled in your computer, and, and, and I buy into that as an important thing to do. But oftentimes you're taking, especially what we are in our setting, we're taking over a computer from the offgoing attending. But it gives you a chance to say hi to everybody, see who your ED staff is, touch base with the charge nurse. And it's not all business. It's a lot of friendliness also, building that camaraderie, building that rapport, letting the nurses either get excited that you're there or roll their eyes that you're there, whichever the case may be. For you guys, it's excited. For me, it's rolling their eyes. Um, but then also being able to sit down and hit the ground running. And I think all three of us, but you got to expect to walk into your shift and be busy. The minute you expect to walk into a shift with nobody to see and have a clean board, you're setting yourself up for failure. The rest of your day is going to be a bad day. Uh, so it's, it's huge 
the positive advice to sit, say, you know, six, expect to work, expect to knock out six or seven patients in that first hour of your shift, and then you can settle into your your regular pace because that's what's been left for you by the, the outgoing doc. And let's be all, let's be honest, we all want to leave on time. So we're going to leave a few patients for the oncoming doc to see. So we need to be that guy that comes in, that girl that comes in to be able to rock it out and, and clean up the ED pretty quickly and then get moving. For me, it's the opposite of is when I come to work and there's nothing to do, I feel like the first hour of your shift kind of sets the tone. So this idea coming in with, I'm going to see four or five, I want work to do. Because if not, when you get hammered four or five hours in, oh, it's hard to ramp up. I agree. When you're kind of at this low, steady state when it's not, I guess, busy and we're not at work, I guess I can say that word. And it's not busy or it's slow. That ramp up's hard. You know, because you get into whatever pace you start at. So coming in strong. That, that slow Sunday morning that becomes a nightmare around noon or one o'clock is it's not painful fun. because it's you just you settle into your pace. Yeah, I think coming in too, you set the tone for the people that you're working with. If you come in uh, with a poor attitude or tired or late, then that that's infective to the department. If you come in positive and optimistic, that's going to set the tone for your department as well. So the second one you bring up uh, is one that we've talked about in previous episodes uh, with Tarlin Hadaity. And I love it that you brought it up here in your your five options or your five tips, um, which is keep your inbox to a minimum. So why is, I mean, we all have inboxes at work. For those of you that work in EMRs, if you don't have them yet, your hospital will figure out how to give you a little indicator that reminds you of all the work you have to do. So why is that important? Well, I'm sure you guys have noticed as you've transitioned from a resident where you typically know what's going to be in your inbox. It's the amount of charts that you have open. When you become an attending, things just magically pop up into your inbox that it's a note to sign or it's orders to sign, and it can really get very big and out of control pretty quickly. Um, so as I see patients and as you do other things in the department, I always like to circle back around every once in a while and just try and keep that inbox to a minimum. This is going to be important for a few reasons. One, it's going to help get you out on time and you're not signing 150 charts at the end of your shift, but it's also going to give you an idea about what your APPs are documenting, what your interns are documenting, and what your residents are documenting too. So it, it, it allows you to provide feedback and education on documentation as well. I think it's awesome advice. I'm not as good as you are at doing the less than 30, which is, I think, your your uh, advice when you give it to me. I chart in real time, and I think that's a very important thing for people to do, whether you're supervising, attending, or you're out on your own, which is when I dispo the patient, that's when the chart gets finished. If, it's, if I've done nothing, if I've done everything except the MDM and the disposition, as soon as the patient's discharged or admitted or transferred, that's when I complete the chart. And that's true whether I'm seeing patients on my own or whether I'm seeing patients with somebody. I slack off a little bit on keeping up on all the cosine orders that need to get done throughout the shift. Those tend to stack up. And the APP notes that I am just dropping the I was available but did not see attestation on. But one thing I absolutely am adamant about doing is my inbox is zero when I leave my shift. So I might stick around a half hour, 45 minutes after my shift just to literally put my finger on the fingerprint scanner 50 times to cosign orders and, and drop in that note. But when I leave my shift, that inbox is taken care of so that cognitive burden is gone. And I'm also not starting my next shift with a laundry list of items that have to get done yeah. as opposed to just being able to start fresh and start patient care. And I think that's key because you get all the stuff you have to do because inevitably between when you leave and your next shift, some EMR notification is going to pop up in your box. And those are easy just to literally just click through because there's no fingerprinting, nothing else. But you have to leave. If you leave work to do, you literally come into your work with extra, like it, three, more, three more charts you have to do that you almost have to come in early for or just offload your next shift and we we all know a resident that, that I trained with that he they routinely leave with multiple charts to where they'll they're 
multiple behind all the time to where they're never caught up. Right. And, and that's not good for you. It's not good for patients. It's not good for, for billing. It's not good for anybody. So timely charging and timely keeping your inbox low. I kind of think of it as the end of my shift is uh, since the World Cup is currently on right now, it's like stoppage time at the end of a game. Right? I'm done seeing patients. I, there's no more active patient care. It gives me a little bit of time to wind down, end my shift. Not quite what stoppage time is in soccer, but still, end my shift. And, and it's kind of a way of decompressing before I go home. I have a really short car ride home to my house. I don't want to bring any of that stress home. Certainly don't want to bring in a bunch of charts that have to be finished. But, I'm, you know, again, clearing the plate and allows you to wind down a little bit making sure everything's done before you leave the hospital. So I think that's that's huge. Less than 30 if you can do it. I'm just not that good yet. <laughs> so the third one you bring up, uh, Eric and Drew, I think is really, really key important. It's spend more time with intern and off-service patients. So explain why that's important. Well, you have new interns and you have off-service residents that aren't familiar with the emergency department. This is where you're going to get into quality issues and things can be missed or presented to you in um, in a way that's not completely accurate. So you need to make sure that you verify, trust but verify. Um, you're going to have to do your, your own histories. You're going to have to do uh, your full physical exams. And you're going to basically spend the same amount of time with the patient that you'd see if you were seeing the patient on your own. You have a little bit more leeway with junior and senior residents that um, are well-trained in emergency medicine. Uh, but this is really going to be where you're going to focus your time. And if you have a handful of patients to see, I like to start with my interns and off-service residents and spend the time in there. Then I'll go and round on uh, the junior and senior resident patients uh, just, to, just to make sure that I'm getting the right story and that I'm verifying what's being told to me. And I think Drew takes it even one further that you try to see them all even before they tell you about it. Especially any junior resident, any off-service resident, I want to see the patient before I am presented. Oftentimes, that's before they see them. And that way, I have a completely unbiased opinion of what this patient needs. And then instead of getting a presentation, struggling through whatever the presentation may be, and then having to go in and see the patient and come with my own plan, I can listen to the presentation. It makes it a lot easier for me because I already know what's going on with the patient. And then we can have a legitimate conversation about what I feel is actually going on with the patient, what the proper workup and treatment plan is. And I think it's a much more cohesive experience for the person, for the, the intern, for the off-service intern, for the even second-year resident um, than, than it is the other way around. And then really, for me, it's just a, a smoother situation because I'm not getting frustrated. My head's not spinning. I am not letting somebody bias me based on, based on their opinions. Oftentimes, we are on the same page, but sometimes we're not. I try to do this with more senior resident patients also because it works well into my workflow, but it's not nearly as important a thing. And on a busy shift, I prioritize junior residents and interns versus senior residents as far as seeing patients first. I completely agree with that. I, I, I prefer seeing a patient first and then hearing the staffing from the residents. Uh, I'm more effective clinician and a better educator when I've seen the patient first. And we... I had an attending in residency that used to do that, and I liked it as a resident because our conversations were more meaningful, and uh, I like doing it as an attending now, too. I think sometimes interns in particular find it almost unnerving initially when they're not used to it because they're like, well, you already saw the patient. Oh, my gosh, what am I doing wrong? I'm not fast enough. Or they'll walk in in the middle of me doing... An assessment, assessment on the patient, they find it, and, and that can be a little bit of an awkward situation. But you know, it, it is what it is. I try to transition it over to the the resident or the intern walking in the room as smoothly as possible. And then I also like to throw, particularly interns and second year residents, for a little bit of a loop, which is to walk into the room just While after they've started their I assessment, agree. and I just sit. Yeah. 
and I sit in the corner and listen to the whole thing. And, and it can be a little frustrating sometimes. They're like, all right, let's get to the punchline, guys. Like, let's let's get moving. But to observe that interaction gives you a lot of great feedback at the end too because now I can actually give them feedback on how their history and physical goes. And I feel like that's something we've lost a little bit. Mm-hmm. I agree. In that, that true bedside teaching, but this is bedside observation yeah. with teaching out beyond the bedside, if that makes sense. And I think I think that is a better way to approach teaching. And as soon as residents get used to you doing it, and this is something, Eric, you used to do a lot with me, pop in the room for a second, listen, walk out, and I'm sure you walked back in and of course, did the whole yeah. history and physical because you wouldn't trust a word I said. But it, it just provides for a better educational experience. He's not even denying the fact that he didn't trust anything I said. Is not, by the way. Um, so you bring up teaching. And I think that, that this is an important kind of tackle that, you know, as you move from, you know, we, this is move up week or move up day. Uh, we talk a lot about transitions. And when you're a new attending or even a senior resident, teaching gets more and more on your plate to where it becomes a part of what you have to do. And so, Eric, what's some of the advice you would give new teachers or even old teachers to kind of change their, change the way they go about it? Well, there's different teaching opportunities at different points in the patient's ED say, and Drew did a nice job here of breaking it down before seeing a patient, after seeing a patient, and then anytime. And I think before seeing the patient or talking about the initial presentation of the patient, it's a great time to talk about differentials and thinking about the zebras that we need to think about in emergency medicine. After seeing the patient, it's a great way to talk about workups and diagnostics. You can even uh, put in some evidence-based medicine here, talking about sensitivities and specificities and those sorts of things. And then anytime during the shift, we can talk about anything, whether it be patient-derived uh, or if we have a chief complaint, we can bring up a topic that way. So there's different times throughout the shift that you can, that you can use different educational methods uh, to talk about different things. Absolutely. And one of the advantages also of seeing a patient before you do the presentation is it allows you to throw in those curveballs. Well, what if the patient presented like this? Or what if you were working at a facility that didn't have the same resource that we have? And you can you can really stretch even a bread and butter case, a simple kidney stone, pyelonephritis, UTI, chest pain, whatever the, whatever the patient presentation may be, and make it a learning experience for the, the learner. And, and even for you as you're presenting the case, going, hey, what, what would I do if I'm at my secondary site that is a standalone ED or is a more rural hospital or, or, or whatever the case may be. And it gives you a good break to say, hey, this is these are different ways to approach teaching based on the, the different times during the patient interaction that you're, you're going. And it keeps things fresh a little bit. It can be kind of hard to fit teaching into a busy shift. It can be. But if you're always thinking these quick little things, where can I throw in a little, a little pearl, a little bit of a what if, a little bit of a spin, making sure that zebra is considered, yeah, even yeah. though it's not very common, and, and that's only going to improve the, the on-ship performance. So. Yeah. Sim- simple questions can go a long way with uh, invoking thought in your residence. Yeah. I, I have to admit, I spend a lot of time, and I have kind of different thoughts. So with interns, I spend a lot of time on differentials, because I think we all agree that interns like to anchor. It's just a common thing. They walk out, this is GERD. Well, what else could it be? And so I focus on differentials with them. With twos, I spend a lot of time on physical exams, like the things they can't miss for complaints. You know, somebody comes in with a sore throat with cancer. Did you see all the way back to see if they have orpharyngeal candidiasis? And if they did, you better go do it because that's something, you know. And then with threes and fours, it's a lot of the what-if games of, so we're not here. What are we going to do? And I think that's where you just have to tailor your educational needs to your learners to be having the room. Um, and that, that, makes, that makes a big difference. And Eddie, you are... You excel at the, the anytime portion of this teaching. I mean, you really have embraced the post-it pearl concept. I think you walk into a shift with a 
a laundry list of topics that you could potentially cover. And then if anything comes close to hitting it, you kind of jump into it and you do that really good five-minute on-shift teaching. I, I am not as good at doing that. I certainly don't do the post pearls the way you do. I've gotten into uh, chicken scratching on some blue pieces yeah. of uh, discharge paper. Uh, similar to, to what Eric does. They're not as pretty. Uh, they don't deserve to be posted, uh, let alone on the ED boards oh, or on Twitter. But... Yeah. Uh, that's a great thing to do too. And, and yeah. to just have a couple topics that you've brushed up on recently that can be a five minute pearl yeah. is, is a huge thing to do. And, and again, if anything, any patient encounter comes close to encompassing that topic, then you say, Hey guys, five minutes, let's talk about this real quick. And you hit the highlights and, and I know the residents and even other ED staff really appreciate that type of yeah. teaching. Oh, they do. So, and then the last one that you guys bring up, which I think is one of the more important ones is again, we talked about variability and shifts. There are some times where you just get, you know, the bus, the bus drops a, a load of people off. And so your pod or whatever your department gets eight or nine people. Yes. How it occurs you- at uh, 10 five. It occurs again at 11 six, 12 15. There's a little bit of delay for that yeah. noon bus. And, and the last one comes in, I believe it's at two Oh two in the morning is so when the like last guy- bus uh, has the drop off. Yeah. It's like a so time- guys are scheduled. It's yeah. Anywhere between this. I can set my watch to the bullets. I, I know exactly when they're coming. <laughs> So what do you do when that happens? Because I think that's another very you know, anxiety-provoking part of a shift. Yeah, especially working with APPs or residents where you need to um, you need to wait before you can actually see the patient. When you have a bolus that occurs, what I like to do is I like to get around and see everybody on my own and get an idea about the acuity, the types of patients that are there, and the kind of workups that are needed. Um, and then I like to regroup with my residents and staff and assign patients based on the type of patients that are there and the kind of workups that are going to be needed. I think it's important when a bolus occurs to go see every patient and get this preliminary plan in place before you sit down and get orders in and get, get your notes done. Um, and this is particularly helpful at the end of a shift whenever you're trying to get out on time and get home to see your family. If you get in to see everybody, that's going to enable you to have the intelligence to be able to plan uh, the appropriate workups, diagnostics, and dispositions before um, before actually sitting down and writing your notes and kind of going through the typical process. Yeah, it's so important to do. It's almost like starting your shift over again. Uh, at the beginning of your shift, you expect to do that grand rounds because you have a bolus waiting for you. The bolus has already happened, and not because everyone stepped in the ED at the same time because somebody was winding down the shift, and now it's the same thing. And I, I, We didn't really touch on it in the article, but it's an overlying concept, which is from an efficiency standpoint, being very purposeful with what you do and batching your work. So when I get up, I want to see a bunch of patients. I don't like getting up to just see one patient. Exceptions are EMS patients, really sick patients. If I'm going to get up, I want to go see four or five patients all at once, knock down a bunch of assessments, have plans in place for all of them. And when I sit down, I want to chart on a bunch of patients, review labs on a bunch of patients, discuss patients with the APPs or the residents I'm working with. And then that way you can manage your department much better that way. Other thing I like to do real quick before bulls comes in, and when you see the bulls happening, when all of a sudden all those open beds on your pod are now blocked with patients being assigned. It's like watching a tidal wave. You're like, it's coming. You can, <laughs> it's coming. When you see the total weight coming, you got to spend 30 seconds and catch up on your, your active patients so yeah. that you know exactly where all those patients are at. Because the yeah. easy thing to do is to lose track of what you're already doing. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to see a new patient. It's a lot harder to follow up on that patient and dispo the patient. Or so, do a procedure, yeah. You don't want to lose track of the active items you already have on the board. So you want to make sure you can tie those up as quickly as possible and then take care of that bolus at the same time. Eric, any 
closing advice, closing ideas for the, the new attending, whether they're seeing residents, teaching residents, or whether they're working with APPs, or even the seasoned attending that's looking for a little bit of a reset? Well, I think the advice that I gave you was tailored to you staying at our site. And I think an important piece of advice for new attendings that are going elsewhere and to new emergency departments is to know what you're going to do for your time-critical diagnoses before you start your first shift. It's anxiety-provoking enough to have to take care of a stroke with TPA or a STEMI that you're flying away uh, without having to worry about the operations. Who do you call? What's your transport agency? What are the operational aspects of the time-critical emergency? Know that beforehand, practice it in your head what you're going to do so that you can just go perform clinically whenever you encounter those patients on your first shift. Eric, I think that's great advice. I hope that our article on All Ohio EM that was posted uh, recently, and we'll put a show note link to that, as well as this podcast, can be time-critical information for the new attending or the seasoned attending looking for a little bit of a reset and something fresh to do. Eric, thanks so much for joining us on EM Over Easy. Thanks so much for being an amazing mentor and clinician. You are a great educator, a great friend, and I appreciate everything you've done for me. Thank you very much, Drew. It's a pleasure to be here. You guys do a great job, and I'm honored to be associated with you. Thank you. All right there, Emo Every Easy listeners. Check out Eric, not so much on Twitter because he doesn't do that, but uh, you can search his name online. He has a ton of articles and a ton of great information out there. He has authored a few articles on our sister site, All Ohio EM, and we look forward to talking to you next time. Thanks for listening.